If you or a loved one has had thoughts of self-harm, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or visiting suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's McBride. Uh, I'll get it. No, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it, Rob. I'll let him in. I'll let him in. I'll let oh. McBride in. Okay. Oh no! Holy shit! That that wasn't McBride at all. That was that stupid creature oh. thing. Oh, salt water <laughs> in it's my mouth. Everywhere. Oh. It's like pouring in. Oh my god! Uh. Who the hell? How does a creature know how to knock on a door? What the hell? What the hell? Well, I oh heard my god, like Rob. lobsters were smart, but this thing takes the cake, man. Oh my God! Oh, what, what are we gonna I, do? This I've gotta I gotta turn the decompression on. We gotta escape this. Uh, Rob, you know what? You, you save yourself. We're not. Oh. It's not gonna It's not gonna work. You save yourself, Rob. I, I'll create a distraction. I'll create a distraction. How, how are you gonna do that? Trust me. What? Where did you get those strobe lights? How did you get into that G-string so fast? I've got this. You, Save yourself. Just go, Rob. Save yourself. And give McBride my love. I mean, like, really give him my love. You know what I'm saying? I will avenge you! Below the surface of the sea. Far, far below. In impenetrable darkness. At unimaginable pressure. No form of life we know could possibly exist. Here, there is only silence. And the crew of Deep Star Six. Six months at the bottom of the ocean. It's more than I'm bargaining for. They are explorers. Let's bring it aboard and get the hell out of here. What's the matter? Are you gonna let a few ugly fish scare you? They are invaders. Okay, boys and girls, don't try this at home. In a world which no human being has ever entered. Sonar contact. Down here? I'd like to go out and take a look. Contact closing. 300 meters. What the hell is that? 250. Look at that mother. 200 meters. 150 meters. I think we're in big trouble, boss. 100 meters. Get the hell out of here. Now, they are about to make a startling discovery. Not all aliens come from space.
Star Six. We're gonna have to go back down there. Perhaps they kill half our crew. Damn it, there's something in the. Save your last breath to scream. From the creator of Friday the 13th. All right, Midnight Mask Creature Casters, thank you once again for joining us. This time, I hope you brought some uh, scuba gear and your wetsuits because we're going to be going underwater for Deep Star 6. This was, I believe, Rob's pick, if I'm not mistaken, my co-host. Yep, that's right. It was my pick. Yes. Oh, go ahead. No, I just took a breath. I'm sorry. I, oh, I think okay. I had the mic too loud. <laughs> um, and it is from 1989. It is aquatic horror, which I truly have a love-hate relationship with those kinds of films. It's an hour and 39 minutes. And I believe I've already mentioned, but it's rated R. Um, on this show, as always, we will be doing spoilers. So if you've not seen the film, by all means, stop this. But do rejoin us after you've seen it. And uh, we just don't want to ruin anything, any of the fun for you that the film has in store. Uh, just a really quick overview. Basically, it's a monster movie set underwater. It's a U.S. Um, mission, basically, to set up some missiles underwater, uh, nuclear missiles. And it goes horribly awry once a creature is awakened from its slumber deep underneath the water. And then the people that are uh, stuck down there with it uh, are fight for survival. Yeah, pretty much. So so, Rob, it was your pick. When did you first see the film? Oh, I saw this when it came out. Um, like in the theater? Yeah. Okay, cool. Me too. My brother-in-law. My the, Okay, this is going to sound really weird. The sister of my brother-in-law. <laughs> I was friends with her son. and Oh, wait. She, okay, I'm doing this all in my head. The sister of your brother-in-law. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you were friends with her brother? No, her son. Oh gosh. Yeah, okay. Wow. Cause okay, we were around okay. the same age. And so. <laughs> All right here. Okay. I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. So she took us to see this movie. That's amazing. Yeah. Way back in 89, man. <laughs> cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Now I assume you were interested because it was a monster movie. Right. Yeah. And were you disappointed? You know, to tell you the truth, I thought it was the coolest movie ever. Oh, okay. But yeah, upon I rewatching it, uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit disappointed watching it again as an adult. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Because, yeah. okay. All right. So we'll get there. Um, now, I first saw this in the theaters as well. Um, I went for mainly Greg Evigan because he grew a beard. I didn't care about the man before that. And then once I saw him with the beard, I'm like, I need to see him. <laughs> um, and it was a monster movie. So it was like the best of both worlds for Mark. Mm. Um, and I loved it. Like I, Like I said, aquatic horror is one of those things that like, it just gets to me because I don't like the idea of not being able to see what's down there. And then I'm not the best swimmer in the world. So I think that adds to the whole fact of that. And you, it feels very claustrophobic and like you're already trapped and, yeah. and you are on their playing field so that you're already at a big disadvantage, you know, with just having said that, you know, mm -hmm. so I love these types of movies. Okay. So having said that, if you're okay with it, I'm going to dive into the director and just a little bit about the actors involved. No way. You can't do that ever again. All right. I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, so that was the end. Of course. Go ahead, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So this one, and I forgot about this. Like, I totally forgot that this is a Sean S. Cunningham directed film. Um, you're definitely, if you're a horror fan, going to know him from Friday 13th. Uh, he did that one. 
He also did, um, which is a kind of fun movie. It's called A Stranger is Watching from 1982. It stars Rip Torn. Um, and then he did one with James Spader called The New Kids from 1985 with Laurie Laughlin, I believe is also in that one. Um, but yeah, Sean S. Cunningham is def- definitely someone horror fans should know. Um, then I'm just going to go through the cast. There's a large amount of people in the cast. I'm going to try to fly through this very quickly. Um, McBride is played by, uh, we already talked about him, Greg Evigan with a beard. Um, two movies I would check out from him is Scorchy from 1976. It stars Connie Stevens. Um, but I highly recommend everyone seeking out Strip to Kill with Kay Lenz from 1987. He also has a beard in that one. Um, <laughs> so in the film here, uh, he plays um, like a submarine pilot and he has a love interest in the film. Uh, her name is Joyce Collins. Uh, the actress that plays her is Nancy Everhard, um, which, side note, that was my dancer name for like years. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, but Everhard. she was uh, in The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren, which I love that one because you kind of get nutsack from Mr. Lundgren. Um, and uh, that was one film I would check out by her. So the captain of all, all of this is Captain Laidlaw. And that's, gosh, I hope I do this right. I believe it's Torin. It's T-A-U-R-E-A-N and Black, B-L-A-C-Q-U-E. The only thing I really know of this gentleman is he did one episode of Wonderbug from the Cross Super Show, which meant the world to me as a child. I watched that thing like endlessly. It aired in 77. Um, Moving on from him, uh, we have uh, the faculty, uh, no, sorry, facility, facility technician, Schneider, uh, who's played by Miguel Ferrer. I just Uh, remember him from RoboCop. Yeah, RoboCop. He was also in William Friedkin's The Guardian from 1990, which we might want to do that at some point in time. Um, and then he did eight episodes of the FBI agent uh, Rosenfield from Twin Peaks from 90 to 91 for all my Twin Peaks fans out there. Um, real quick, he's also related to George Clooney, um, the actor. I believe they're cousins. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, yes. Anyway. Um and then after that, we have, um, she's like a marine biologist, I guess that would be the best way to describe her. She's on board basically to talk, uh, to, not, not to, uh, uh, as like a, uh, how would you say it? Uh, to like invest, to like investigate like the marine life and things. Oh, okay. I was going to say it. she's just there to be eye candy. Oh no, she's no, no, she's Scarpelli, uh, played by Nia Peoples. I love, um, I love Nia Peoples, man. <laughs> yes, who doesn't love Nia Peoples? Well, I, again, I think if you listen to the last show, I love her song "Kiss in the Wind." Like it's one of the coolest songs ever. But mainly, I think people are going to know her from Fame. She did like fifty-eight episodes. It ran from eighty-three to eighty-seven. That's yeah, no, eighty-three to eighty-six. I'm so sorry, eighty-three to eighty-six. Um, and then we've got. Um, her love interest, and he's also the engineer of things, Richardson, and he's played by Matt McCoy. And the thing I oh, go ahead. You no, know, I I'm trying to figure out where I've seen him before, and I just okay. Um, well, oh, he was. Uh, I don't know if this was it. I so he's in a like it was like when the erotic thrillers were really big. He was in one with Rebecca De Maurier called "The Hand That Rocks the Cradle," but. Much like Greg Evigan in this movie, he had a beard in that movie. And I never paid any attention to this actor until he grew a beard for that movie. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, hello, Matt McCoy. Um, 
but he was also, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was called We Got It Made. Oh, um, I think I know where I remember him from. I thought oh, okay. it was uh, I thought it was the sitcoms, but I um, I didn't watch The Love Boat that much, but he was actually in Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami oh, Beach. Okay, gotcha. So that's probably where. Oh, and Police Academy 6 as well. Okay, yeah, there you so go. <laughs> I probably remember him from those movies. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but he was also on We Got It Made, um, which like it was very short lived, but I love the show. It had uh, Terry Copley, who was supposed to be the next big thing, but she never really took off. Uh, she was super, seemed super sweet to me. And then um, the other actor, Tom Willard, uh, was in it and he actually passed away. No, Tom Villard. I'm sorry, Villard, Villard. Um, he was in it and he actually passed away from complications with AIDS. But like I loved him. Uh, he was like in popcorn and grease too. Um, he did like a Star Trek episode anyway, but yeah, I, I really did enjoy him anyway. That's, that's, uh, uh, um, we got it made play on words because they, she was the maid and we've got it made anyway, whatever. Oh, um, okay. I get it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the hand that rocks the cradle is really quite fun. If you're like into erotic thrillers, like I, it's a really fun one. Um, and then we have the onboard doctor and that would be, uh, Diane Norris played by Cindy Pickett. She was in Ferris Bueller's day off from 86 and then she was in the, the movie sleepwalkers based on the stephen king oh with the with the cat people yes from 92 yes 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 uh mick garris directed that one okay that miles will be a fun one that we want to cover at some point in time yeah. um then the project head of everything is van gelder and that's uh marius wires weirs w-e-y-e-r-s um the only thing I really know of him that I've seen was it was a, like a TV miniseries. It was like three episodes. It was called The Triangle uh, based on the Bermuda Triangle, which I'm fascinated by that, even though it's probably nothing. I think uh, but I've seen started, that. OK, yeah. It had like Lou Diamond Phillips and yeah. Sam Neill and Eric Stoltz. Yep. Yeah. So that's fun, people, if you want to check that out. Um, then the geologist on board. Uh, gosh, I, I, Bursiaga, I think it is. B-U-R-C-I-A-G-A um, is played by Ilya Baskin. E-L-Y-A. Anyway, um, and he was in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and 3, the recurring character of Mr. Dichkovic. Dichkovic? Probably that one. Um, the one with Tobey Maguire. So any uh, Spider-Man fans out there are going to recognize him from that. Now, so, Rob, the two main guys that, like, go underneath the cavern... Yeah, in the very beginning. Okay, so the one with the beard and glasses and baseball hat—that's the one I'm talking about. The actor is Tom Bray. Yeah, I called him uh, like Amish beard. Yes, exactly, Amish beard. Okay, so he's Hodges, and he is the Sea Cat uh, pilot. And then there's like he's actually done like some kind of cool horror movies. He was in The Prowler from '81, which is a great slasher. He was in Prince of Darkness from '87. He was Etchinson in that one. Before you ask me. <laughs> and then he was in House 3, the horror show from 89. That's the one with Lance Hendrickson. Okay. Okay. And then the other gentleman on board, Osborne, on the Sea Cat as well, is Ron Carroll. And he was in Friday the 13th. He played Sergeant Tierney from 1980. And then in House, he was a policeman from 85. And then in House 2 from 87, he was a deputy. Interesting. Yes. He got demoted. Now, he did. Isn't that funny as he progressed? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and what's interesting is basically all those are pretty much uh, Sean S. Cunningham 
joints. So they've worked together quite a bit, it looks like. So the last person I just want to mention really quick is Chris Wallace, W-A-L-A-S. He's listed in the cast on the movie, but he's uncredited. And he's a special effects person, but he's listed as an actor. So I wonder if he had something to do with the actual creature. Do you Um, think they like dressed him in that suit and like with animatronic arms and stuff? Yeah, because he's not really credited, but he's done like a lot of stuff. Like he worked on Humanoids from the Deep and The Fly, which um, you've covered on both on the show before. And another one that I love, he was in Curse 3, uh, Blood Sacrifice, which it's like cheesy fun. People, you need to check that one out. So that's our cast. Um, so we can move on. And I thank you for humoring me. Always, my friend. Thank you. All right. So um, this movie came out in 89. But it wasn't the only aquatic movie to come out at that time. We also had Leviathan with Peter Weller, um, which everyone says that this was pretty much the exact same script and everything. Mm. But I'll be honest with you. I love this one way more than I do Leviathan. It feels to me like they're interchangeable because I still have, I guess we'll call it the Mandela effect. I I feel like Peter Weller was in this movie (laughs) that we're covering. (laughs) yeah, I well, they're so similar. I could see where you would I everyone I think could have that uh, same theory. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just there's something about this one I find more fun. Um, but then also the Abyss came out, James Cameron's The Abyss, and then Lords of the Deep, uh, which stars Priscilla Barnes from um Three's Company. She was like the very last one to replace Suzanne Summers on that one. Oh, okay. And then the very next year, 1990, we also got The Rift, which is another un- underwater aquatic horror theme movie um so this was like prime fodder to scare mark um all those years ago (laughs) yeah see i'm gonna have to watch the rift and lords of the deep because those are two that i have not seen gotcha um the rift it's not awful but it's not this so don't go in expecting another deep star six or leviathan because it's it's not it's not the same caliber if that makes sense so it's is it a monster movie underwater though? It is, but okay. like you, it's way more talky. Um, oh, gotcha. And and I feel the budget's not quite what these guys had, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. But anyway, there's that people. And then really quickly, the music on this one is um, supplied by Harry Manfredini, who also worked on uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, along with Sean S. Cunningham. So again. Mr. Cunningham has chosen to work with some of the same people again on different projects. I've seen that name in so many movies. Oh yeah. He does really cool work. Like I I like his scores. I think they're very fun. Um, So getting into the heart of things. um, I like how the movie opens. We're like, uh, we see the sky and then we're like going underwater. So we're like, you know, on the surface of the water and then we start progressing deeper and deeper and deeper. The really cool thing that I like about this one is that instead of the titles rolling upward, they're rolling downward. So it's like they're also going below the surface, which I thought was really cool. Um, so it's getting darker and darker. And then we eventually see the glow of the like the uh, a glow emanating from underwater. And it's like the light of the vessel, which will come into play much later. The importance of light into everything that transpires in the movie later. Yeah. Um, so um, it's a vessel returning to the base underwater. And then we get to see Greg Evigan, who's McBride, um, shirtless in bed with um, Collins. Um, and they 
have been sleepy for a while because he's awoken from a dream. Um, and it's mentioned that they'll be going home in one week. And um, I beg to differ at this point. <laughs> so and then they start talking about Laidlaw, the captain, and clearly McBride thinks quite highly of the captain. Um, and then it's made mention that the, you know, captain is happily married and everything. But, you know, McBride's not the kind of guy who's going to settle down with just anyone. He's kind of like a like a a free spirit kind of a man. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking I could change that. <laughs> you, you could uh, you could make an honest <laughs> man out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the girl does mention I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Joyce uh, does mention that, you know, uh, <laughs> that they've gotten pretty close in the past couple of months. But then McBride says, well, he just thinks of her as one of the guys. And I'm thinking, do you sleep with the guys too? Or because I would think that this would change it a little bit because you're <laughs> having sex together. But anyway, I thought that was funny. Um, and then did you pick up right away that she was pregnant? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, OK, because something happened. And I remember thinking, I think she's pregnant. Wow. Okay, I was just curious when you clued in. Okay. I clued in like at the exact point where like, uh, you know, it was made blatantly obvious. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> so anyway, so uh, like McBride and uh, who do we have? McBride and we've got uh, Richardson. We have Van Gelder. We've got um, Collins. And then we have uh, Bersiaga all uh, getting into a little submarine that's going to transport them from Deep Star 6 to the little base that's been built near the, like, missile site that they're down there to actually work on for the Navy. So they all head over there and everything. Um, on board, they're kind of, like, griping about, like, how awful everything's been for the last six months down there and everything. Um, what's also important to note is this is supposed to be a four-month mission that's already gone two months over what they oh, had planned yeah. and because kind of Snyder about is that. not happy about that. No, Schneider. So that, and this is where we get introduced to Schneider. Who's just kind of a, he's kind of an ass. Yeah. Like he complains a lot. <laughs> he complains a lot. And he's one of those by the books, people that doesn't really think things through. He's just like, this is what I'm supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it and I'm not really going to apply thought to it. I'm just, this is what you told me to do. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. He do, like, he doesn't take into account like other probabilities. He just like, does yeah. It. Yeah. And he's just kind of arrogant and he's kind of an ass and he's a little bit lazy. Just all the things you really wouldn't want in a worker you've got with Schneider. Yeah. He's, he's all yeah. bundled up into one. Well, yeah, exactly. So basically they're dropping off at the station. Um, Van Gelder, um, the the head of the project, they're dropping him off. Am I correct in this? No, they're not. I lied. They're just dropping off Collins and uh, Bersiaga at the site, and they are returning with Snyder. Yeah, because it's like a shift change or something, right? Exactly. It's a shift change. You're correct. You're, you're correct. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so back at the station... There's a debate over setting the missile site up because they realize that we're, they're going to set the missile site up. It's kind of unstable because they're going to be putting it right on top of a cavern. And that would make for like shaky ground underneath. Yeah. So it, Van Gelder, the head of the project, is like, well, we'll just blow up the cavern and then 
set the missile site on top of that. <laughs> Which, Which Collins is kind of like, that's not really safe either yeah. because it's going to be wobbly. And then this is where Scarpelli jumps in and she's like, well, there could be life forms that we'd never really got a chance to study. And she starts bringing up all these other uh, different times in, in the past where things have been like maybe uh, touched upon, but not really been further investigated. And she'd really like to take the opportunity that she's got to to delve a little bit deeper into this. But Van Gelder's not listening to any of this. He's just shutting it all down, basically. Yeah, because I think at this point, like most of them just want to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. Um, I I don't really get that feeling from either one of these these two, though, because I think Scarpelli really does take her research very seriously. And I think Collins is bringing up very valid points. I think she's just like, we need to not do this because it's unsafe. I think he's just like, no, I've I've been this is my job and we're going to get it done one way or the other. Oh, he's like on a time crunch. Do you know what I mean? I think he doesn't want to look bad for the Navy. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, because like they they signed up for like it was a four week operation or whatever. And yeah. Like, you know, they're still they, you know, they want to the, the head people who are like in charge of things. They just want to get their stuff done and get the hell out of there. That's yeah. what I was saying. That's the impression that I got anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> um. So I do like that we had to have the prerequisite breakfast scene, very reminiscent of Alien. You know, I was going to bring that up, too, that this reminded me of Underwater Alien. Oh, totally. I almost don't think that you can do after Alien, you cannot do anything else because it set up so many tropes that have been used again and again that you really can't do anything where you're going to... uh, come in contact with an alien creature, whether it be like underwater or in space or whatever, with a group of people that's not going to remind you to some extent of alien. Yeah. They've just set that up. Yeah. But the whole breakfast scene, I'm like, okay, this really feels like alien. Um, so, you know, Captain Laidlaw is like giving out the orders and everything. And then I love <laughs> He tells Scarpelli that she needs to take some time off because she's getting a little, you know, hyped up about everything. And then Snyder is being Schneider basically and giving her the creeps. And then I love it because there's that line where they go, damn it, Schneider, which if you're a fan of the TV show One Day at a Time, that was a recurring line all the time, which I thought was very funny. And I wonder if they put that in on purpose. It made me laugh. Anyway, oh. um, so. What they decided to do is that they are going to still perform the blast, um, not move anything, and just proceed from there, even though Joyce still swears up and down it's a really bad idea. And um, Van Gelder wants it done by the end of the week. Like the whole project, everything's going to be finished on time, end of the week. And I was screaming at my TV at this point, like, no, that's a bad idea. You know, (laughs) don't blow up the ocean. (laughs) No, well, yeah. And then. I don't know about you, but I feel that this man does like a total turnaround halfway through the movie. Like he's so stubborn and pigheaded at the beginning. But by the end, I feel like we're dealing with a totally different human being. Yeah, that's true. His character anyway. But yeah. Okay. So, um, Collins is, uh, 
sending down um, two gentlemen, Osborne and Hodges, um, what you call them, Amish Beard, and then the guy from Friday the 13th. Um, they're the <laughs> sub pilots. They're going to be working the Sea Cat. And they are sending down this like, wired uh recording device to drop it down into the caverns just to kind of see what they're dealing with before they proceed further just to see everything's kosher so it's like a remote drone or whatever yes exactly but um it's it's cabled so it's not like on its own Mm -hmm. that's important to know if you're you know so underwater we're seeing that there's like these lava things and everything and it's Seeming very, you know, innocuous. There's nothing, no real problems or anything. But then we get this scene of the the uh, camera apparatus being dropped, like something has severed the cord from it, causing it to fall to the floor of the the cavern. Um, so that's our first tip off that something's not going well with this. So apparently, this is not the first time that this has happened with these two uh, pilots. So they get the bright idea that, hey, we're just going to break um, our orders and do this rogue. And we're going to just detach our little sea cat and just go off in our little submarine down below the caverns and just try to see if we can retrieve this ourselves. Yeah. Which that seems like such a bad idea to me. It, <laughs> the Well, monster movies and horror movies in general are full of bad ideas. Oh, exactly. Bad, bad choice upon bad choice. <laughs> um, so... They're doing this while they're down there. Um, they basically, they have, con- okay, so they have uh, computer contact. So Collins and, um, I, I cannot say his name right, Versiaga can basically see what they're seeing as well on board the little uh, station. So when they lose contact with them, this causes Collins to freak out. Well, the reason they lose contact is because they are actually attacked by something underneath the water as well. And they freak out because on their radar, they can see something very large and fast is approaching. And then they they actually see it. And then that's kind of the end of these two. Even though we don't see, you know, what's attacked them. Yeah, they get an off-camera death. Yeah, the, the actual creature, I think it's like well over an hour before we actually see the creature in the movie. Right. And I wanted to talk about that really quick. Because when I first saw this as a kid, I thought like the creature appeared immediately and started wreaking havoc. And then um, as I'm watching it again last night, I was like, wow, it's been 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, basically it's just like living underwater life, doing underwater stuff. And then all of a sudden the creature pops up. And I was like, as a kid, you know, seeing it, it was like immediately like I attached the creature to the entirety of the film. Me, I kind of think because the creature, I find it very cool and I think it's pretty well done. So I bet it made an impact on you. Yeah. Because yeah, it's it not, a, I don't think it's a crappy creature. I think oh, it's pretty no. fun. It's damn convincing. I'll give you yes. that. I mean, because this is practical, folks. This is not like CGI or anything. This is all practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did a really good job with it. But I, I, I wonder if that's not why, if it just really had like an, it made an effect on you it had this impact oh t- it dude it had saw a, it had such an impact like i was afraid to swim alone <laughs> even in a pool especially with your parents keep putting the glow sticks around your neck and making you hold flashlights get in the water rob get in the water yeah there, um, there was no nighttime skinny dipping for me you know no right way. 
<laughs> I would, it's funny. I would only skinny dip if I had an audience. If I couldn't, if I, if my loud <laughs> clapping didn't draw an audience, I just kept the trunks on. Um, anyway, so um, Scarpelli, you know, during the interim of all this, has like been trying to plead her point to laid law and he, He's listening, but he really is siding with Van Gelder. He's like, you know, this is his project. I see really no reason to override him. I understand your point, but this isn't, we're not going to put this off just so you can go investigate these creatures. Yeah. So she's frustrated. So as anyone would want to do, she's going to go work out. I would never do this, folks. So she's working out to get her frustrations out. And then, of course, after that, you've got to take a shower. Um, even though she's in the shower, we don't get any full-on nudity from um, Nia Peoples because she's better than that. Um, I but wish she for wasn't. some reason, <laughs> what you I wish, wish she-, she wasn't better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for some reason, underwater, you are not allotted a full shower time. You have like a card that you have to insert in the shower, and when your time is up, your time's just up. And unfortunately, she wasn't keeping track of her shower time, and her uh, minutes ran out on her. Well, luckily, her love interest, Richardson, just happened to be there fully dressed, and he was able to uh, coerce her into letting him use his shower card uh, to uh, <laughs> prolong her time so she could get that shampoo of her head, hair, head of hair, and uh, he could join her in there fully clothed, which, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, that that made no sense other than just being there. Oh, no. There. Yeah. Yeah. And then in my notes, I said, I would do this for Greg Evigan. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would. Yeah, I would stand outside and make sure that his time ran out every single time he got in that shower. And then anyway, if he shaved his beard while taking a shower, you would just kick him right out. Oh, I'd be like, what are you doing? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd have no use for the man. It's so funny. I don't. It's the whole facial hair thing. It's so weird. Like this guy here, like the Richardson guy, like I never paid him a time a day. And then in the hand of the rocks of curly, he's got a beard. I'm like, hello. Anyway. Okay. So, um, the, they have actually, um, the cavern floor now as a result of all of this has been, uh, destroyed. So it's, it has actually been, um, the explosions have gone off. It's, uh, been the, the, the roof of the cavern has now been sunk. So that's transpired. Okay. Um, now, is this because of Snyder following, like, by the book protocol and detonating the missiles at this time, or is that later on? Uh, that's, I think that's later on. I kind okay. of, I'm kind of combining things because there's like little scene, little scene, little scene, and that just takes forever. So I'm just combining things. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Let me get here so that, okay. Oh, okay. So um, once Joyce has lost contact with the, tr- the two men, she lets Laidlaw know what happened. So Laidlaw decides that um, there must be something up. Um, and he decides that, Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, oh on, I know man. where we're at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. So, sorry, 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 sorry. I remember. Um, <laughs> so they went to check on the, what happened to Amish Beard and the other guy. Well, no. So, okay. So she's called for Laidlaw. 
but Snyder's being like a total idiot and he's not really putting the call. It's urgent on her end. He's not making it urgent on his end. And he's just like being real lackadaisical to go get laid law because that's Snyder. That's how he rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as this is happening, um, the creature, we don't see it, but the creature has now been set free and it attacks the base that Collins and um, I have to look at his name. Bersiaga are in. So now they've kind of lost signal. So Laidlaw takes upon himself to go over and check because he's just want to make sure everything's kosher on that end of, on the, of the proceedings. Oh, so he and McBride okay. head over to the base, which has been attacked by the creature, but they don't know this yet. Yeah, you something me? made me. Yeah, something made me think that the two in the two in that little uh, satellite thing there, uh, of that underwater satellite lab or whatever. I thought they wanted to figure out what happened to Amish Beard and the other guy, um, and then they got attacked. Um, but no, no, you're right. Okay, okay, all right. So now they're heading over there, and by the time they get there, they realize that the base is like totally. Caddy Wampus. It's no longer sitting the way it should be because it's been struck by, they don't realize what's been struck by. They're almost assuming that the explosions had something to do with it in their minds. So it's a, it's a risky business of connecting their sub to the docking point with the umbilical entrance thing. Um, They do make it happen. They can't get in at first. They're trying to use like electrical means. And then, you know, McBride points out the laid law. That's probably not the best thing since they're standing in water. It doesn't work anyway. So they have to crank, hand crank the um, like hatch open. Yeah. the, the Which is important. Oh, that scary ass door, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, you know, cranked open. The two men go in to realize that Collins is okay. But uh, Bersiaga has been like with everything happened, he's been pinned his legs by all this like heavy equipment and everything. So he's kind of not in a very good state. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, he's kind of flipping out of consciousness and his life is not much longer for this world. So uh, now. That's what made me wonder, like I have issues with certain parts of this movie, and that was one of them. Okay, so if his leg is crushed, but nothing, you know, no other internals are damaged, and it's like, how the hell is he dying just by like a crushed leg? Like, is there, you know, something more to it? And I was there, maybe something more, or maybe the pain's overwhelming, or the fact that he'll never be with McBride because of Collins, like a broken heart. <laughs> I don't know. I was um, really trying to figure that out. I was like, how how is he dying from like a crushed leg? Yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, Walt and I were like, Walt pointed out and we started talking about there. there's a majority of people that die because of the monster, but don't die from an actual attack of the monster in this movie. Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what they've done, because it's such a weird angle, Laidlaw has thrown down a rope and he's on one side of the hatch. and the rope is down like like hanging diagonally down to help what at first they were going to do is to pull things off of the injured uh now dying um Bersiaga, the geologist uh but then they realize he's passed away so they're just going to Collins and McBride are kind of pulling themselves up with this rope okay 
while all this is transpiring, you see the hand wench starts to slowly click. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't realize this with everything going on. So they get out and I could have told him this because he's African-American. You're not going to survive, sir. <laughs> the two white people get out and the African-American uh, captain. Yeah, he gets, orders them to leave, but they won't. And so he's like, I'm going to flood the chamber. Well, first, before this, he's trapped between the he's he's positioned himself between the, in the opening. So he's in one half of his body's on the ship. Uh, not. No, that's a lie. One half is like in the passageway to the ship. The other half is in the part uh, where they were going to rescue the people. So his body is like that hatch is like dividing him. So mm-hmm. the, the the wench goes cattywampus, crushing him. And then what Rob said, that transpires. So he's trying to get them to leave. They're trying to save him. He realized that it's hopeless. And so he releases this like valve thing that sends water gushing in to ba- basically make them leave him B to save themselves because he knows that he cannot be saved. Um, so they do this, they escape in the pod and everything. And the, the whole experience with Laidlaw is very crushing to McBride because they were very close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so the two head back to Deep Star Six. Okay. So, um, Talk amongst yourselves because I got to catch up on my <laughs> my notes here. <laughs> okay, okay, this is see. this is where I find out like um, something about I believe it was Scarpelli that says something about photo migration as a description for the attack on the sub. So apparently, like whatever whatever these animals are or animal the creature is, it's like attracted to light. Um, and yeah, then, I think once they get back on, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, and so um, once they do get back on, uh, it's Richardson who first greets them and everything, and the doctor wants to check them out, and this is where we get a shirtless scene of Greg Evan. So I put thank you movie. Um, and <laughs> and then this is you also get really... where we find out that um, what's her name is pregnant, right? Yeah, we'll be getting there. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I also like that really awkward scene of Richardson trying to like, console McBride, but it's like real broy. So, you know, he like gives him the photo of Laidlaw McBride, but it's like, Oh yeah. But it's really like, so like straight guy with straight guy. And it's just like, <laughs> it's not really, <laughs> it's hey, very awkward. I'm really yeah. sorry for your loss. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't play basketball anyway. Um, <laughs> So Collins is, tells that while the two men are, you know, in their scene back in the med unit, uh, Collins is kind of telling Scarpelli and the doctor about everything that's happened. And just like what Rob said, <clears throat> that's when the whole thing about the photo photo migration causing aggression in animal animals and their behavior triggered by light comes up and everything. So. In this scene, this is where Rob's saying is where he clued in that she was pregnant because the doctor's checking Collins out and she picks up two heartbeats just as McBride is coming into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's kind of like questioning her and she says she doesn't want to, she didn't want to say anything because she wanted to wait till the baby was born to make sure that it wasn't, that it was Caucasian. <laughs> I was going to say she, she was going to trap him with the baby daddy rule. 
Yeah. No, no, no. That's not true. Um, uh, she didn't want to tell him because she has feelings for him, but she did not want him to feel trapped into marrying her. They, she wanted the re- relationship to flow organically, not like, oh, you've got to marry me because I'm, you know, pregnant with a child. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. What else would she be pregnant with? <laughs> She's pregnant with the 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 lobster the alien creature. baby. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but you know, McBride is like fine with this. And he says they're going to actually like use the uh, captain's name for the baby, so it'll be Philip Laidlaw McBride, even if it's a girl. Um, I add the girl part. Um, so this this is interrupted by Schneider saying that he wants him on deck and everything. Uh there's been a retraction order given. And so Van Gelder pops back up because I had forgotten about this man, to be honest with you. It seems like he's been MIA for quite a bit, but he pops back up and everything. Um, yeah, I thought he, he was to, dead. Right, right. So he's got to secure his missiles before they be- can begin to decompression. Um, and then Schneider's kind of bitchy about this, but he complies with everything. Of course, because he's a he's a whiny baby. When he's just not the... To me, for the job he has, he's not the brightest bulb in the box, folks. <laughs> no, as as will be evidenced, but, you know, the, a little bit further that we get into this movie. Yeah. So in order to proceed, he's got to follow these prompts from the computer and he needs to know how to fill out what's how to label what's transpiring to proceed to the next level on the computer Mm -hmm. he asks the doctor and collins what he should do their attempt to help him it's not really clarifying matters for him and so it drastically ends up complicating things in the end because he's a moron it's uh that was really frustrating that he can't think for himself exactly he's he's like one of those people where you like you're like dealing with them and they're like, well, the computer says I can't. And I'm like, but it's obvious that you can do this. But you just because the computer says no, you can't proceed, even mm-hmm. though you can see that you could do this, whatever. So he unquestionably complies with what, you know, he's the screen is prompting. So he causes an emergency detonation because the computer thinks they're being attacked aggressively by like another outside force, not like a creature so they're the the computers think it like a like an armed warfare kind of thing not like a giant creature has been released right, and we're gonna eat right. everyone because it, it's on the list it says like natural uh natural yeah, something right. or other and then on, underneath it, it's like active aggression so it's like why wouldn't you pick like the natural thing instead of the active stupid. aggression yeah and he's stupid he doesn't fill them on on what he's seeing he just asks them mm-hmm. it's also and you could see this happening in like a real life situation too, folks. Totally. Anyway, totally see this. So the missiles launch, we get that bright light and everything. And he even spills coffee on the keyboard to make matters even worse. <laughs> the man is a genius. Yeah. So um, Van Gelder has now figured out what's going to happen, what's going to transpire. And the after blast from everything is catastrophic. Um, the doctor now wants like damage control stats. Um, Scarpelli's trying to help everything out. It's just a disaster on board. Uh, we've got fire going off. There's a system malfunction. Um, there's pipes bursting. There's leaks going on everywhere. Um, what is it? McBride and Richardson use that like that like jack system to like jack up the walls so they can 
start welding underneath it where the water's like coming up from the ground now and everything. Oh, yeah, yep. They have to turn the water system off to help all this. They run a diagnostic test. Uh, they realize that the oxygen infiltration is weakened. Um, and they've only now, now they're only living on like ambient air. That's only going to last like seven to eight hours. Mm -hmm. And then um, the, in that, in that amount of time, like, a, or a little bit longer, the reactor is going to go super critical and just like blow everything to hell. Like less time. They have fewer hours than they thought they did because of the, the uh, super critical. Yeah. Explosion. Um, and then they won't be able to decompress, which means they can't leave. So basically Snyder is a friggin' moron. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> yeah. And this causes like Snyder and Richardson to start bickering and everything. Um, and then Collins comes out with the idea that maybe they could repair the main lines with like a bypass. Um, and they do a blueprint check, which reveals that it'll work if they can pull it off. So they kind of come together, they put all this aggression aside and they start to work to like make this a reality to save their butts. Yeah, um, this is when uh love boat guy gets in that big dive suit. Yeah. Which did to me, didn't it seem really awkward and cumbersome? Yeah. I don't think you'd be fixing a lot in that kind of thing. It seemed just really awkward folks. Like it, it, I don't know. It, it seemed built for like a hunchback <laughs> or it like a short did, person with a gigantic head. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just did not. I don't know. It just seemed really awkward. Um, so Richardson, the um, the ship's engineer, has to go outside the ship to make external repairs to like patch it from the outside to make everything inside work. So he's going to go through um, the like big like giant hatch thing that's going to let him outside. Uh, of course, they can darken some of the lights, but he still needs some light to work out there because by now they figured out that lights aren't their friends in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, so he clears the airlock and everything. Uh, he figures out the rupture. He starts to repair it with the welder and everything. And then he kind of spies something and he transmissions something, but he starts breaking up. So they can't quite figure out what's going on. And then you hear like these vague screens emanating from him. Yeah, he's like freaking out in there. He's like freaking out. Yeah. So the lid opens and he's being pulled up and he's like yelling and screaming. And then the alarm starts to sound. And that's when Schneider figures out that there's something else in the airlock with him. Yep. <laughs> they pull him up and then it's like the oh. creature. We finally see our creature. It's this giant like kind of like crustacean looking thing yeah, with it, and its jaws like flip like side. It's kind of predatory in a way. Yeah, and it, and it has like teeth too. Like, a, yeah, or, it's or what it's looks kind of, like teeth. Yeah, it reminds me of a Venus flytrap in a weird way. Yeah, How like, it, like the opens. way. Yeah, the way that it opens up like a shrimp kind of mouth, but also yeah. with a, a bunch of different things kind of put together. Yeah, it's pretty cool because it's like they've taken things that you like would recognize, but like arranged it in a way that you wouldn't have seen before. So mm -hmm. it seems like a creature that is viable that you would be like, oh yeah, we discovered this creature. Like, yeah. you know, because it's got <laughs> things you kind of recognize, but then it's arranged in a really abnormal way. Um, so it's jumped up. It bites Richardson in half, which I don't know if you remember it, but that's the poster, the yes. like the infamous poster, because <laughs> it's got like the 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 suit kind of like being raised but there's nothing to the bottom of it. it's just like the blood and guts and everything yeah that kind of scar because that was just kind of hanging there and dripping guts into the 
Oh, it's great. It's chamber. great. So like everyone's freaking out. They can't, and Collins can't get the hatch closed. So water's just pouring into the place where they all are. It's just pouring in, it's gushing in. So of course, the water allows the creature to enter inside the room with them as well. Mm-hmm. They eventually get it closed, but we see that little cool scene where the tail like slithers and then goes underwater, which yeah. I think is the coolest thing. Um, and then <clears throat> like, oh, wait, wait. Okay, now I might be jumping ahead, so I'm going to shut up. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they go to escape, but Schneider has made it up first and like locks McBride and Collins in the room with the creature. He's such a jackass. Yeah. So the doctor finally lets him in and everything. And then McBride starts to scuffle with Schneider and everything. And then this is where Collins starts to freak out because the creature is trying to actually jam the door open from the inside. Mm -hmm. So they bolt the door and everything. And then they realize that uh, in a little over four hours, they're going to blow. So they've got to finish the patch if they're going to survive this. So Schneider and Collins are of the mindset that they want this creature dead. And McBride just wants to keep it busy so they can finish what they're had set out to do originally. He's like, I don't need to kill this thing. We just need to occupy it so we can finish, you know, our original plan here. So all of a sudden, again, Van Gelder pops up because, like, I had forgotten about the man. He's got this head wound. Um, And this is where he's like, to me, he's like a totally different character. Uh, Maybe the head wound did something to him. Yeah, it it turned him into somebody else. Um, So then she says, you know, like, we need his help. We need your help, you know, to make this happen. We're going to need your help. And this is where he's saying that, like, it's just basically a big, giant anthropod. And it was a cave dweller and everything. And they're like, is it killable? And he's not really sure. If it bleeds, um, we can kill it. All right. So they get these weapons. Some of them, they're just like guns, rifles. But then some of them are these like dark guns. Yeah, sharp so when you, Yeah. And when you shoot it, it like expands with air, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> Schneider has issues with this because the expiration date is passed. So he doesn't want to be involved in this scheme because he feels like they're sending him down there with things that aren't going to actually work when he needs them to. Yeah. Um, and I love the scene where they prove to him it's going to work because he's sitting in this chair and they like shoot the chair and expand. So they're like, nope, they still work. <laughs> um, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. That was. Um, so they decide to go back underneath. Everyone's back there, the whole group. And they throw this like little mini strobe into the water thinking the light will uh, draw the creature towards that and they can kind of figure out its placement in the water. Which, Rob, I'd be like, I don't know that you could get me back in there. If you got me to that point, I think I'd just be dumping load after load of feces into the water. <laughs> I would be freaking out. Well, yeah, I would be too. I mean, oh my God. I, I just don't think I could do that. I just, Rob, mm-mm-mm. I would try um, to find all the lights that I could and just toss them in one corner. And just yeah. like, if I see the creature going over to that corner, like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's get it over with. Yeah. I just, anyway, whatever. So, um, uh, McBride decides that he, you know, he can head down and do the patch and actually it goes pretty quick. I thought it doesn't take a long time to get the patch done and everything. Um, but while he's down there, um, he comes back up and then all of a sudden the monster also pops up behind him while they're all 
freaking out and shooting and everything, Schneider accidentally explodes Van Gelder with his gun, which they should have never given that man a no, weapon. They, I don't think he's a loose have, cannon. Yeah, give him a Nerf gun or something. Yeah, or give him a gun <laughs> that's not loaded and just tell him it is. Yeah, yeah. So now the four surviving people, the doctor, Collins, McBride, and Schneider, get back to safety. And Schneider's like losing his feces. He's like freaking out. Uh, the doctor checks on him and she sends Collins to go get her kit uh, to give him something to calm him down. He doesn't really like this idea very much. So McBride has to like restrain him while she gives him the shot and everything. So McBride and Collins head off to, to finish the whole process of getting ready to you know head up to the top of the surface. The doctor kind of leaves him alone because she's got to get things ready too. And you can tell that he's thinking things through because his eyes are darting around and he starts having all these hallucinations, which yeah. aren't making things better for this man. And that shot didn't seem to do too much to calm him down. I got to say, well, Walt's like, what did they give him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause he's seeing Van Gelder, you know, like accusing him of all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's seeing like the, basically everything he has done wrong up to this point, he's reliving in his mind. Um, uh, so he decides to skedaddle it alone into the decompression chamber and take the pod to by himself to the top without decompressing. I'm sorry. He just takes the pod. Yeah. Well, he's going to kill him. Decompress. Yeah. Yeah. And so the doctor's screaming, you're going to kill us all and everything. And she goes up to get him. Well, the hatch barely misses closing to kill her just like it would have or barely misses killing her just like it did uh, Captain Laidlaw earlier in the film. Yeah. McBride pulls her down the nick of time. Um, so as the shuttle heads upstairs, uh, upstairs, upwards towards the, the surface, we now have like the aftermath of the Deep Star 6 down below. There's water like leaking and everything. So we see Snyder start to bleed and everything is orifices and then he basically implodes. Um, so Walt pointed out that this would not be the case because the pressure would have been equalized inside the thing. And once he made it to the top, they would have just had to have like decompressed him from the outside. So he actually would have survived. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was something just for the movies. Um, it's kind so of like uh, on total recall when they're out there in space. I mean, not in space, but like on the planet surface of Mars and that their eyeballs are popping out of their head and everything. And, you know, that, that I don't know. I mean, I, I could be. I have no idea. I can't comment on that because Walt's not filled me in on the science of uh, Total Recall yet. But this one, <laughs> he has. This, this okay. I would refer to as Walt ruins the movie. There's several <laughs> Walt ruins the movie points. We got to have a segment here. Walt ruins the movie. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, I can't speak for you, but for me, I don't know the kind of science. So I would. this was just fine with me. I'm like, he gets his he gets his come up and so I'm cool with it. Yeah, you know, I had no and idea. And I, I think it was put in there before. strictly for that because people. Oh, he was, yeah. He was such an ass throughout the entirety of the film that it was like, OK, it's you know, his time has come. Exactly. And it's gory and it's effective. Uh, so on board, because everything has transpired, the electrical system shorts out and now it's dark on top of everything else. And they've only got three hours and 43 minutes left, which is barely enough time to decompress. <clears throat> so. McBride, um, you know, comforts uh, Collins, who like, you know, with a kiss. And she's like, I thought you were going to get me out of this place. Uh, so, you know, like a little jab with everything. Um, so 
the doctor says we're basically trapped without the mini sub. So what McBride decides to do is he's going to swim across like the, the other rooms and get that and bring it around to take the himself and the ladies to where they need to be so they can get to safety. All right. So the water water lock starts to fill and then he does exactly what I just said. And um, we get the scene where the uh, uh, Collins starts to pray just to make it today. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And so, yes, McBride does make it onto the vessel and everything. Um, the doctor's like super concerned, but the, Collins seems very optimistic now and everything. And this is where we find out that uh, the doctor owns a farm and she wants Joyce to visit, you know, once they survive and everything. Um, so this is where the two women are in the room and there's like this, like, like a thud, 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 which kind of sounds like a knock mm -hmm. on the door. Well, the doctor assumes that it's McBride that he's made it. So she opens it, but no, it wasn't McBride. It was the creature and all the water starts flooding in, of course, letting the creature in with them. Well, I knew they should late. have had a secret code. Exactly. Right. They should have. Exactly. Uh, the place is flooded now. And then the doctor realizes that they're separated. And so she's got to basically sacrifice herself to save Collins because Collins is by the decompression chamber. She's way over here by the defibrillator. She turns on these lights. She grabs a defibrillator. She sets it off, electrocutes the creature, but she also electrocutes herself in the process because she's in the water. Um, now, what did, did the creature have some kind of lobster claw that it grabbed her by the throat and like picked her up? Yes, yes, yes. It's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if that yeah. was its tail or if it had like an appendage that just kind of popped up and grabbed, grabbed her by the throat, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so all the while, McBride's on the other side. He kind of sees this happening through the little window of the chamber he's looking through. Mm -hmm. um, so doing all this allows Collins time to regroup with McBride. And we see the little creatures like, you know, sinking into the water. So we assume that, you know, he, of course, has been killed. You know, that this attempt by the doctor worked. Yeah. Um, so they're just kind of like lounging in the decompression chamber. And then it's time to depart. So the couple enter the little mini sub. And they head up out, you know, into the water uh, as the reactor goes off. And we get a little shock waves erupting. And um, the, the vessel they're in does like a real hard climb. And it's taking on water. So they decide to drop the tanks to rise to the surface even quicker. Um, but they're going to make it. Uh, and then we get cheery music, you know, to reinforce this and everything. Uh, it sends to the surface. And uh, they're topside now. And the hatch opens. And there's this little life raft thing that they've like opened on the side of the, the vessel that they were in and they go to enter it. Um, Collins makes it there. And now, you know, people, if we're seeing this, that it's not the end of the creature. I'm just saying mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not the end of the creature. So, of course, it's not the end of the creature. Um, McBride's trapped on the shuttle that they took to the surface. Collins is in the life raft. McBride starts to release the fuel into the water and then he ignites the water, which causes everything to blow up. Yeah, she's like, no, no. no. Um, I'd be like, at least take your clothes off. <laughs> um, but he, she didn't do that. Um, so everything explodes. I love that. If you look, there's like pieces of the creature that flies into the air and then behind you, there's burning pieces of the creature. 
I didn't see. I just thought it was like pieces of the sub. (laughs) No, it's like a little crustacean. There's that little part where it's like a hook thing and it's like bobbing in the water, which I thought was really funny because I'm like, basically, you'd have lunch. I'm going to have to watch it again. (laughs) You know, all you need is like what garlic butter dipping sauce. Yeah. You'd be fine. Yeah. This is just a big lobster, you know? Exactly. Um, so basically, you know, we're led to believe that like McBride perishes, but no, all of a sudden he pops up and they're reunited. And this is where I put that the two are reunited and they're left to bake in the sun and die of starvation because who the hell is going to know where they are? They don't even have a little tent thing on that raft, you know, to block them from the sun. No. Unless they have some kind of uh, system, you know, a desalinator that could turn the seawater into regular water so they don't dehydrate. Oh, right. Yeah. I, well, I do want to see the scene of like, you know, her drinking his pee, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Now, this is where Walt pointed out that if the creature had lived below, it wouldn't have been far, able to survive on the surface. It would have exploded halfway up. Oh, really? Okay. Because its body wouldn't have been used to the press. Yeah. Yeah, that is <laughs> so true. There you, you know, go. There, there is like the cre- It's not like it can just. Oh, I'm going to follow you up. I've been living uh, several thousand feet below sea level or whatever on the sea floor, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm just going to pop right up and say right. hello. <laughs> but still, it made for a fun monster movie. Yeah. Um. So, Rob, what did you think of it this go round? I expand, I guess, on what you said earlier. Yeah, I liked it, but it just wasn't the same because like, you know, seeing it in 89, um, I thought the monster was throughout the entire movie. And now then, you know, seeing it again, it's like, oh, it's it's like 45 minutes or so before we actually. No, it's over an hour. It's like over an hour before it shows up. Oh, okay, Yeah. Yeah, So like it it is. I'm saying it's like over an hour. Yes. I thought it was. I was like, wow, man, I don't remember it like this. But yeah, that's how it was. Oh, yeah. we did miss like one one detail. Um, Scarpelli got killed by the creature. Oh, she did. That, yeah. She did. So she, like did. After- she basically just like, because she was like um, romantically entangled with Richardson. So basically she just like frozen fear, like one of those less watch moments. Yeah. And the tail kind of slapped her into the water and then yeah. you just see blood. Um, well, okay. Yeah. Since you brought that up, McBride goes down to save her and Collins pulls him back. Hmm. Was that before like all the blood? No, started? he, she gets knocked into the water and he goes down to, to help her and McBride. I mean, in uh, Collins grabs McBride by the arm and just pulls him back up the stairs. Oh, I'm like, so effed well, up. he could have tried. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, oh, no, leave her. You're my baby, daddy. Leave her. Yeah. <laughs> I would have saved her. <laughs> I'll save you, Nia. Splash. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, you're correct. Yeah, she did. Have, and yeah. then I think the only people killed by the creature, like. Are, killed, uh, killed. Directly killed by the creature. Yeah. Was Scarpelli. Um, I can't remember his name now. Richardson. Richardson. Yeah, Richardson, yeah. who got bitten in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you count Osborne and Hodges because they were in the vehicle in the the cavern? Yeah. Well, the creature did attack. The yeah, it attacked yeah. the ship. So I, yeah, I assume. Yeah, directly. Um, but other than that, it was like Snyder was responsible for a lot of the death. A lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I want to ask you this, since you're talking about the creature showing up later. Did you feel that the movie dragged or did you feel like it moved at a good pace? 
Oh no, it didn't drag at all. It's just like okay. I thought the creature came in and around like maybe twenty minutes in which it yeah. didn't. You know. So um, I do want to point that out though. Even though we don't see the creature till much later, the movie does go at a very quick pace. I think there's no like yeah. you're checking your watch time. I thought it like progressed really quickly. Yeah, there's a lot of tension in it too. It's not just like the creature. These people are trying to survive so that like they're under they're under the sea and there's like a whole bunch of bad stuff going on. Um, and yeah, it's not it, yes, just the creature. It, it transpires very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like things fall into place, like from the get go, more or less. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Um, now, would you recommend it to fans of Midnight Mass Creature Cast? Absolutely. Would you recommend it to gay men who have a thing for men with beards? <laughs> <laughs> would I recommend it to Mark? Hmm, let's see. <laughs> Yes, I would. Because <laughs> you got you got uh, different types of beards. You got the Amish beard. You, got you do. The, uh, you got the short uh, Greg Evigan beard. Mm -hmm. um, I think there was another bearded guy on there. There was. It's uh, the geologist. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Bersiaga yeah. has so a beard too. You're, you're kind yeah. of swimming in beards at this point. You know? <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. Now, how did you feel about the cast because there's a lot of people did you have because we talk about this in other movies did you have trouble keeping everyone apart i always have that problem okay. but i think that's just a me problem gotcha i think they did a pretty good job because usually i feel that these movies suffer from the female characters they just kind of make them all look exactly the same mm -hmm. and i think they did a really good job as far as the female characters looking very different from each other yes that's true they did a good job with that. Um, and I even think... the um, the differences in the guy characters as well, because it's like they it's kind of like, again, you know, we're alien. You're on the ship and everybody has their own personality and they're kind of easy to distinguish from one another. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there were there were just a lot of them, I mm -hmm. think males. Uh, there were just a lot of them. But like. Some of them came and went very quickly, especially in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Hodges and Osborne, by the time you know who they are, they're like, gone. Yeah, they had off-screen death, and it was like, see, nobody even remembers his name. I call him Amish Beard. <laughs> so. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, me, uh, I loved it then. I love it now. I still think it's like a ton of fun. Um, aquatic horror, just, there's just something about it that, that it just does it to me every time. I do not... I like it, but I do not like it because it's so creepy to me. Um, and like, I would definitely recommend it to uh, to fans of monster movies because I think the monster, especially being practical, it's really cool. Um, I kind of think like you were saying um, about it not showing up till later. I think it was probably purposeful and smarter on their part because I think they realized that maybe it wasn't. Like if you showed it too much, then people could pick it apart yeah. and maybe it wasn't quite as convincing. So they really did hold on to it until they absolutely needed to reveal it for like a big wow moment kind of thing. And you um, never got to see all of it either. You saw like the no. mouth, you saw an appendage, uh, you know, that that was pretty yeah, much I, it. Like I could draw the xenomorph from Alien. I could not draw you this creature. I could draw parts of it, but I couldn't tell you what the whole thing looked like. Right. Yeah. It, no, it was pretty cool. And I think um, that's what's also unsettling is that you don't know how big it actually is or how many arms and claws. Right. It has. Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I agree with you, Rob. Totally. I totally agree with you. 
yeah, no, I think this is like a ton of fun. Um, heck, you could <laughs> you could pair it with Leviathan um, and just make a double feature out of it. You know, it, yeah. it's pretty cool. It, I think for me, it just kind of all forms into one movie. Like they both take place in the same underwater uh, universe, uh-huh. and, and and like Peter Weller stars in both of them. <laughs> Uh, and who was that guy that put the rat under in that liquid so they could breathe underwater um wait what are you talking about leviathan yeah i think that's leviathan right oh so i don't remember Levi. i have seen deep star six a plethora of times oh i've only okay. seen leviathan a handful because i do not like it nearly as much i don't gotcha. i don't think it's fun um like i think deep star six is fun Mm-hmm. I don't find Leviathan nearly as fun as I do this one. I can't explain. I just, it's not as, I don't know. Like it doesn't have a sense of like Leviathan's more serious somehow. It, like, it's a very dark, like it's a very dark yeah, film. The monster know. did not knock on a door to get <laughs> access to anybody in Leviathan. Um, it's funny too, because I'm looking at Leviathan now. There are, Female characters in that one, even Meg Foster, who I love, I didn't remember women even being in Leviathan. And I totally remember the females in this one. You know, I all I remember is the guy who puts the rat underwater. Well, it's not water. It's some kind of uh, breathing solution that so you can breathe underwater. Oh, I vaguely remember this um, now. Yeah. And I, okay. he, he looks to me like the same guy from Deep Rising who played uh, Treat Williams' buddy. Um, hmm. but I don't know if they're the same person, but I remember that guy and Peter Weller and that's it. I don't remember anybody else. Now, what's funny is Leviathan has Richard Crenna in it and he stars in the movie we're doing next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> so dun, it dun, looks dun. like, it looks like Leviathan is going to be coming directly after. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, now see, another thing for me is I'm not, uh, I'm just kind of indifferent with Peter Weller. You know, so that's maybe another reason why I don't watch Leviathan again and again and again. Okay. Whereas this has Greg Evigan with a beard. So if Peter Weller had a beard, maybe, you know. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I don't think he'd no. look right with a beard. Like, I remember. No, I don't think so either. He'd look like Abraham Lincoln. Like, I don't want to <laughs> see Abraham Lincoln without his top hat, if you know what I mean. Four score. <laughs> <laughs> Four skin. Four yeah, skin, no. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, we've gone off the track. Anyway, okay, so. <laughs> That's par for the course, oh, my friend. Yeah, so if you're going to join us next week, the movie I was referring to is we're going to be doing The Evil um, from 1978. It's a uh, haunted house uh, supernatural shocker, which I love, and I don't think Rob's ever seen it. No, never seen it. But you told so me we were going to do Lolita, man. You lied to oh. me. <laughs> No, I'm still going to have you watch Lolita, but I'm going to do the evil and just see how lost or like how long you go along with me pretending like you've seen the evil. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, And then if you would like to reach out to us, uh, I am always lurking at Instagram at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. That's right. And um, I don't know if I'm going to plug the email much longer because we don't get any messages on our inbox. Um, oh, sadness. And mostly, it, like, if you really want to get in touch with us, like, you know, you can just hit us up, get go through Mark on the Instagram, and it'll just, uh, you know, it's probably easier that way, I think. 
And if you'd like to send fan art of Greg Evigan with a beard, um, please do that. <laughs> yeah, you can send send Mark uh, <laughs> fan art. Oh, if you want to draw Nia Peoples for me, you know. Yes. Then use the email because I don't want to see that, folks. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> She's going to be fully clothed. <laughs> no, I do love Nia Peoples. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And also, I, I just wanted to make mention again that we are part of the Suplex City Limits Network. So if you you can find us on the main feed, you can also find us on suplexcitylimits.com. There's four other shows on there, one of which I am host of called the old guy metal cast that's also a lot of fun if you're into heavy metal if you're into just like two guys uh talking back and forth about whatever the hell's going on um yeah so and shout out to our spitball media podcast they they give us constant they give us constant shout outs they repost uh some of our episodes on instagram i've seen and so like much love to those guys i did not know this thank you I had no idea. So I had no clue. I, w- I would have been thanking them like forever. So what what is Spitball? What, what do they do? A Spitball Media podcast? Yeah. Yeah. It's um uh, one of my friends that Shaheen and uh, another guy, John Draper, another guy, B-Show Brian. And they basically talk about like everything, I think. You know? Awesome. It used to be called Break the Apocalypse and it was kind of like a a uh, satirical look at the end of the world because it was, you know, during the pandemic times, but it has since changed. It's gotten a little bit different. Oh, well, thank you guys. I had no clue. I would have been thanking you. I don't want to seem ungrateful. I would have been thanking you like much sooner. So I will send you fan art of Greg Evans with the beard. <laughs> totally nude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes without saying. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so I think that wrap, no, it does not. It does not wrap things up because we always appreciate you guys for joining us, whether this is your first time or your 41st time. Um, it means a lot to us because the more the scarier. Mm-hmm. It really does. And until next time, we hope that you stay spooky. Whoa. There we go. There's that spookiness. <laughs> <laughs>